Welcome to episode number 95 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast where we're building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about how to incorporate decomposition, off-gassing, and hybrid mixtures into your dust hazard analysis. And to do that, we have back on the show Dr. Ashok Dasadar, Vice President of Dust and Flammability Testing and Consultancy Services at Fowski Associates and also a fellow engineer with Westinghouse Electric Company, who's the parent company for Fowski Associates. Dr. Dasadar, welcome back to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me on again. I really enjoy this. So Ashok's been a, a longtime guest. He's been on the podcast several times. We've had him back in episode seven, which was over uh, 85 episodes ago, talking about dust hazard analysis and explosion prevention. We had him on episode 50, talking about pharmaceutical industries, and episode 54, talking about combustible dust test methods. He has an extensive background in combustible dust testing, in dust safety, and dust hazard analysis. He's chair of the ASTM E27 Committee on Hazard Potential Chemicals. Uh, he's a member of several NFPA technical committees. This genesis of the current topic on hybrid mixtures and decomposition off-gassing actually came out of a discussion that was going on in the Dust Safety Academy. One of the members there was talking about the failure of some DHAs and some consultants to recognize that hybrid mixtures can form when you have decomposition, when you have off-gassing. And we're going to talk about what some of these terms are in this episode. And then was really asking how this should be incorporated. And I knew that Ashok has done a lot of work in this area. He's done a lot of testing prior mixtures and has extensive background in dust hazard analysis. So I want to get him on the show to, to really talk through some of these concepts and some of these ideas. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the key parameters affecting um, affected by the presence of flammable gas. We're going to talk about how this gets introduced and created in the system and how you can get a hybrid mixture under these conditions. And we're going to talk about how does this presence then of having a, a decomposition or an off-gas or volatiles affect a dust hazard analysis and how should this be addressed. Um, so Ashok, maybe a great place to jump in is just what are some of the increased hazards from having flammable gas mixed in with your combustible dust in a hybrid mixture? What kind of hazards are, are found when you have this condition? Sure. Specifically, what's happening is, just to back out a little bit, you know, the, you know, when you have combustion, you have a fuel reacting with an oxidizer, most likely oxygen in the air and uh, creating a flame that then propagates onward like peels of an onion, starting off in the center and then spreading out either way. When you're dealing with vapors and gases, you actually have a molecule of methane, a molecule of methanol or benzene reacting with the equivalent number of molecules of, of oxygen present and then creating a flame front and the reaction. So it can happen very rapidly because it's just a molecule-to-molecule reaction. With a dust explosion, you actually have a solid particle that then has to react with the oxygen. So either the oxygen has to come to the surface of the solid particle to react, or that surface material has to boil away, vaporize away, react away, and then mix with the oxygen and then combust. So what happens is when you have a hybrid mixture, you have a combination of the fact that you have readily available volatiles, gases in the air already reacting with the oxygen, plus you have the the mass loading of of solid fuel, you know, liberating material from the surface, uh, mixing with air, and then and reacting. And so what happens is when you have that hybrid mixture, your explosion severity is much greater than if you're looking at the pure dust alone. Your ignition sensitivity, your MIE is much lower than if you had the, uh, the pure dust alone. Your MEC is much lower. Your LOC can also change as well 
or, or be, be, uh, be modified by the fact that you have a fuel loading. So you can affect a lot of these parameters. And unless you know what to look for, you might actually miss it. One of the things where what is a definition of a hybrid is where you have the vapor in the, you know, the vapor or gas uh, greater than or equal to 10% of the LEL or LFL of that gas present. And you have dust present as greater than 10% of the MEC of that particular dust. So if you have a combination of that, then you have the possibility of a hybrid mixture. Yeah, and I'll summarize a, a bit of that. So when you have a gas flame or a gas explosion, you have the, the molecular gas reacting with oxygen and with the ignition source, and that's what causes your, your explosion or your deflagration. When you have a dust, there's extra steps needed. Maybe it's heating of the particles, maybe it's decomposition or paralysis or evaporation. Uh, and that's why generally, although not always, uh, but generally most dusts are going to react slower than a comparable gas. Um, there are things like radiation and other parameters for particularly metal dust that may make it actually react quite a bit more violently as well. But in general case, those added physical steps are going to slow down that uh, flame. But when you have a solid deflag- uh, deflagration or solid material and you add some flammable gas back in, like Ashok was saying, that can really change your explosion parameters, particularly your minimum ignition energy, your MIE may be much lower, um, even a couple orders of magnitude. Your minimum explosible concentration can go down quite a bit. Your LOC, your limited oxygen concentration, go down quite a bit. And you may find that you have a, a more severe explosion under these hybrid conditions. That kind of then begs the question, and Ashok started to answer a bit of this, you know, what is a hybrid mixture? I believe NFPA defines it as any case where you have the dust above 10% of its MEC and the gas above 10% of its LFL, its lower flammability limit. That would be a hybrid mixture. But how does this happen then in these different industrial scenarios? Where do these hybrid mixtures kind of show up? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and you'd think that they would actually be more readily apparent, but they're actually, you know, people sort of, you know, misread them. So, for example, if you're in a in a manufacturing area, let's say like a pharmaceutical industry, and you've created some either uh, intermediate product or the final product, and you're you're crystallizing it out of solution. And that solution might have contained a little bit of, you know, ethanol, methanol, or maybe maybe you're in a fine chemical industry and that happened to be like a toluene or a hexane. Well, that residual solvent could be sticking to the actual dry particle as well. And therefore, even though it might be a free-flowing particle, you might still have some solvent being present. So that's one area, you know, coming off of a dryer, uh, coming off of a precipitation, you know, and filtration process, you could have solvent wet powder that's freely flowable that might now enter into either as a fugitive material or enter into a, a dust collector. So that's one option. The other option is, let's say, when you're introducing a powder into a vat that might be uh, containing solvent like ethanol or methanol or hexane, maybe you're adding a resin powder to a vat of toluene in order to to thicken it or something or, or, to, or to create a reaction. Um, that there is also a hybrid mixture possibility. Um, one of the ones that people generally don't consider is where you actually might have not a solvent powder scenario, but where you might have the powder itself undergoing partial combustion or some sort of decomposition. So for example, let's say if you're in a spray dryer and you have your material being spray dried 
a lot of times these spray dryers developed crusts or, or, or hangings that are at the very top, which is just material in a hot environment that's just sort of caked together and creating uh, stalactites or something like that. And, and what happens is you have a smoldering nest inside those stalactites, and that can generate gases, carbon monoxide in particular, that are then acting as a, um, a source for additional you know, hybrid mixture uh, possibility. Um, silos are also a, a very likely location where you can have this, where you might be storing something in a silo and you have a smoldering nest developing in the silo. That smoldering nest, because there's not enough oxygen in there, creates carbon monoxide and not carbon dioxide. You have all this carbon monoxide into the headspace of the silo, and that could then mix with the float dust that's there, and then you'd end up with a hybrid mixture scenario in that location. So there are multiple there are multiple possibilities there, and a lot of it happens to be, you know, the experienced eye of the person doing the audit uh, going through and saying, "Hey, have you thought of this possibility?" I'll go through a couple of these scenarios. So I think just breaking down, and I, I must admit, I had to do some some googling before doing this interview to even come up with some of these these um, categories, but bring down the different ways these mixtures can form, I think is really important then to be able to identify them. So you mentioned, you know, some of the direct ones, if you have a dust and you're, you're flashing in gas or you're just adding gas, maybe part of a, you know, a pharmaceutical process where you're adding that in so it gets absorbed onto the dust. Well, that's a hybrid mixture. You're, you're obviously creating a hybrid mixture. If you have a dust there and you're, you're, you're adding in the gas, a condition where it's less obvious is when, you know, that solvent then is, still stuck in the particle in the um, crevices or on the outside and that can evaporate later and make a hybrid mixture so that's sort of scenario one and two scenario three is where you didn't add a a gas in but the gas comes from the dust and there's actually a whole bunch of different ways that this can happen so i tried to go through and sort of characterize some of them so i think i've i have four categories now after listening to uh, some of ashok's previous ones so i'll go through the categories the first one is, is decomposition. So this could be chemical decomposition, which is breakdown of a, a chemical molecule into two or more constituents. So this just could be naturally, you have a, a certain molecule, it chemically decomposes, and one of those molecules is, is gas. What's more common, I think, that can happen, but what's more common is thermal decomposition. So this is chemical decomposition caused by heat. So if you have dust that's stored in a silo, it's under compression, it can get hotter, then that whole chemical decomposition starts to increase in rate and you can get um, accumulation of gases more quickly. There's also pyrolysis, which I had to look at, I think is just thermal decomposition of wood, although, or wood or organic fibers. Um, you know, you may do it to coffee beans when you're roasting, but they're the, the, it's a type of thermal decomposition for specific materials. So those three really fall under this category of decomposition of the dust. You also have off-gassing, which is where the, the gas that's trapped inside the dust is driven off. So this could be a case for coal dust, it's generally called the volatilization. But those volatiles like methane, those volatile gases, as you heat, off, heat the, the material up, are driven out of that particle. It's different than decomposition because you actually have the gas existing in the particle, but then you have off-gassing. You think of this if you paint a room that room will actually off-gas, and hopefully you're not using VOC paint because it can be a, can be bad for your health. But that's another example where gases can be created when they're off-gassing these types of systems. The third one is just plain old evaporation. This would be more commonly seen in plastics. So you just heat the material up enough that it melts and evaporates like a polyethylene, 
and then you get gases that can to mix with the dust and, and cause a hybrid mixture explosion. Then the fourth one that uh, Ashoka added was partial combustion. So if you have a dryer or you have a burner system and you're not having complete combustion, then you can get buildup of carbon monoxide, and that could be where the gas comes from the hybrid mixture. So I, I think I covered most. And did I miss anything there, Shoke, on how on the many ways you can get a hybrid mixture in your system? No, no and, and and there probably are things that we are not, you know, the two of us aren't considering here either. Because a lot of this will come back to, you know, actually walking through somebody's process to see, you know, what's the actual unit operations that are going on and what are the chemicals involved. And then are there other, you know, other possibilities that could be occurring? Like, for example, the decomposition materials, you know, if, if certain materials, if you, if you store them long enough in a certain location, they have a tendency to self-heat. Um, and there's a lot of chemicals that do self-heat, just sitting out in the environment, maybe slightly elevated temperature. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's summer and you're indoors and, and the indoor temperature inside of the storage unit is now, you know, 40 degrees Celsius. Well, in that environment, maybe, you know, the molecule that you've put inside of a, of a tote bag or 55 gallon drum happens to be breaking down and, and, and releasing either small, you know, volatile organics or it could be releasing carbon monoxide and then you have an upset scenario where some of the powder spills and now you have a hybrid mixture so these things sort of have to be theorized or looked at in a what-if type environment and what-if type of scenario when you're doing a dha to to come in to decide that are these things possible at all or not yeah that's where i wanted to go because we talked you know about what what is a hybrid mixture what parameters are affected what explosion parameters Where's the gas come from in the various ways? But the the real crux of the process safety question is just how does someone know to consider these things? If you just have a powder, how do you know, you know, whether it's has a chance to have thermal decomposition or has a chance to off-gas or volatilize? And you're talking a bit about that, but could you give some more ideas maybe on how somebody should for the listener that's doing these type of analysis to know that they should be including it? Absolutely. I, th- I think when you when you come in and do your DHA, you need to ask that question, are solvents present? Because you know, the easiest one is to get those solvents. I mean, if, if, are they using a flammable solvent or a combustible solvent? Is, is that present at any time? Are, are hybrid mixtures possible? Then you can ask them that, you know, do they test for hybrid mixtures? Do they, t- they have a, an LEL meter in the room anywhere, in the vat, in the dust collector? Do they actually monitor to see if there's any hybrid, uh, you know, vapors being given off or gases being given off that, that they should be considering. And then, um, and then that would be like the first step to look at. Um, th- so that's pretty obvious. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm working with a solvent. Do I have the possibility of a hybrid mixture? The other one to consider would be where you have the, the thermal decomposition of a material. Uh, usually a lot of times you can, you can say that, well, do you, how, do you get smoldering nests in your silo or in your storage bins? Do you actually get fires in this location? And then usually if something has a fire before the fire starts, there might be typical scenarios where, where, you know, partial combustion or smoldering could happen that could relieve carbon monoxide. So those are always key in deciding those scenarios. And a lot of it true. I mean, even for professionals like us, when we go through a facility, it's kind of hard to pick out every scenario because a lot of it's going to be asking questions and getting answers back. And sometimes the answers back that we get is, you know, I don't know, or I don't think that'll happen, or we've had no evidence of that. So at that point, we sort of, you know, keep it in the keep it in our back pocket, but it doesn't come out to the forefront to say, oh, you know what, that should be something that we're looking at. 
it's sort of like going to the doctor's office and when the doctor asks you, does it, does your elbow hurt? And you never really mention the fact that your elbow hurts whenever the, the, the pressure changes. And then they skip over that diagnosis because you didn't bring it up. That's one of the problems of, 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 um, you know, when you do a DHA, most likely if you're getting a DHA done, you internally don't have the expertise to conduct a DHA yourself or in your team. You're, you're asking for an outside third party to come in. And at that point, they're not necessarily totally familiar with your specific process. They might have audited other processes that are very similar, but they don't know exactly what your near-miss scenarios have been in the past. And you know all about those. So if you don't bring those to the forefront when you're going through one of these reviews, the the assessor or the auditor would have no idea to bring that up. Because we might be thinking that, well, you know, and I've asked that question a lot, you know, you're, you're dumping your, your powder into a vat of solvent. Have you ever had any scenarios uh, of, of, you know, being above the LEL in that headspace? Do you measure that yes or no? And they say, oh, no, no, we don't have any problem with the solvent. It's not going to be an issue. And then we ask, you know, measure the LEL where you're entering the powder as the powder is falling down. Are you going through there? You know, consider that hybrid mixture scenario. But you get a lot of times where people will, will talk about, no, no, when we are drying our solvent, that solvent goes all the way completely off the powder. We don't have any residual solvent. We're not going to be in a hybrid scenario. So, you know, we can't be there to measure everything. Uh, only, you know, the end user who's actually their facility getting the work done will have that information. So that's that's very key to have that dialogue to say you know what oh by the way you're right you know that 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 powder sometimes when we do transfer it is still partially solvent wet at that point we might say okay you know what let's let's start considering hybrid mixtures yeah and I would even add to that because there's there's you know normal operation so do you drive off all the liquid normally do you normally not have you know particles settle out in the heater and uh, say nylons and plastics that evaporate. Well, under normal operating conditions, that doesn't happen. We do need to think about, you know, what happens abnormally. If you have power shut off and the flock in your dryer settles out in the heating element, can that lead to a hybrid mixture? And that has in, in several instances and, and led to, to large explosions. Um, if you ever have a, a gas on site in piping, flammable gas in piping, and you have combustible dust, you have the potential for a hybrid mixture under certain upset conditions. We saw this in in Hagenase, where they had mixtures of, of where they had a hydrogen gas explosion followed by subsequent iron dust explosions. Um, but anytime you, you know, you have a gas and a dust in the same facility, there's a chance for upset conditions that could lead to hybrid mixtures. So you need to at least think about considering that in your analysis, you know, what, what conditions can lead to this. And I think this goes back to your, you know, what if scenario, it's, it's really easy to tell in normal operating, operating conditions when you have hybrid mixtures potentially, but it may be less, less easy to tell under these sort of abnormal conditions. Oh yeah, you're absolutely correct. I mean, that, that, that's one of those things where having somebody that has experience really matters. And, and, you know, especially if, you know, if you have that person that's been on the plant for, for 10, 15, 20 years that, that sort of has been with the company a while, they might know all those upset conditions that usually happen typically and, and help you out that, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we do spill a, uh, a, a drum of this every other, you know, week. And it does get lofted about and that dust does float near, you know, our, our solvent bath or, or, or something like that where, you know, the, these, these weird scenarios eventually do pop up. And, and somebody, you know, maybe higher up in the engineering staff or the, or the, operate, or the uh, maintenance staff may not know about that, but maybe one of the, the, the workers on the plant floor are more aware of the 
of the near miss one-off scenarios that occur occasionally from the the upset. Maybe not even a real upset, but just a one-off or a frequently unplanned type of procedure or event that might occur that they may never consider classifying as an upset. I think the the degradation there is is normal and non-normal. And non-normal includes everything from non-intended use to, you know, once once a week, once a month, once a year, um, once in a facility's lifetime. That's all falls under the non-normal classifications. Um, there's definitely, you know, degrees of that. And we, we, we spill gasoline on the floor every week, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, well, okay, we'll probably have to consider that as a hybrid mixture, you know, in your DHA. Right, right. <laughs> because that's, uh, you know, that's too common for, for it to be sort of overlooked. In terms of the DHA, and maybe even I'm thinking of some of the first steps, you know, getting material tested, are there some things that people should be thinking about in terms of hybrid mixtures, some tests they can do to tell if their materials might be prone to decomposition or off-gassing? Um, how would you just incorporate some of these ideas into doing a DHA? So, so there are certain tests that can be run. They're, they're mostly screening tests. You, you, you can. There's a test called the Lutoff oven test where it's a, you put the material in a test tube, the test tube is stoppered, you heat up the material and then collect any off gases that are generated. And you watch also the, 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 the test tube is instrumented with thermocouples so you can tell whether the, your sample itself is undergoing an exothermic reaction or not. And then you can collect the off gases and then you can test whether those off gases are flammable. That's, that's one way to see if you have the potential of, you know, decomp-related off-gassing that's flammable. The other thing that people can do is if you run a, either a, most likely, most often a TGA, thermal gravimetric analysis. So you can, you know, as a function of temperature, see where mass loss is occurring. But a lot of times these TGAs are hooked up to mass spec uh, equipment. So you can then tell, you know, at a given mass loss step or at a, at a temperature where a mass loss occurs at, you can capture those gases and then pass it through the mass spec to decide what the chemical composition is. That way you'll know that, well, you know what, I'm generating benzene and methane and uh, butane in my off gas at this particular step. But at this earlier step, I'm actually generating, you know, carbon monoxide. So, so I mean, that's just for illustration, but you can then have that discussion. Now, will that occur every single time in your facility? Possibly not, but now at least you know that in a weird upset scenario situation, uh, you can generate these hybrid mixtures from decomposition or partial uh, uh, oxidation of your material. Yeah, I think that's a really good thing to know, right? Is it, is it possible that that we have a, a mill or a grinder get choked and heat this up? And can it then generate that combustible gas from those scenarios? Uh, it's good to have those sort of ideas and what the tests are that may be able to determine that. And, and additionally, on, on something like that, too, if you have a solvent wet system, too, when you heat it up, you'll be collecting that solvent. And you could either analyze it in the mass spec or collect it in the in the, uh, in the gas collection in the Lutoff and then see if that ignites as well. If you So say we do that and we determine that there is a chance... For a hybrid mixture, and I'll let I'll let you pick the piece of equipment because you may be able to to pick one that that is uh, palatable in in a couple of minutes on the the podcast. But so I do this sort of test. I realize that okay, there can be a hybrid mixture here under normal conditions. There's not, but there is a possibility. Any like, how would you incorporate that into your your design, your safety design concept, or your 
you know, your explosion protection, do you have to do sort of two, uh, you know, uh, a severe explosion case and a non-severe or how does that get incorporated further down in the DHA? Sure. So, so you can look at the non-severe situation where it's maybe just the dust alone uh, without the solvent being present to find out what the severity is going to be in your situation. The data for the pure solvent, a lot of times is already available in literature. So you have uh, the, the LFL, the UFL, the MIE, you know, the LOC for a lot of these are already tabulated and available in, in NFPA publications or other open literature publications. The dust is a little harder, so you might have to get your dust tested as is. And then you might have to say, you know, go back and say, you know what, I, looking at my upset scenario or my failure scenario, I expect that I'm going to have some solvent present. And the solvent could be present in, in this concentration in the environment. And then you back, you calculate that back, and then you can construct your, your KST test, your MEC test, your LOC test, your MIE test with that solvent atmosphere in mind as well, and then actually measure the the explosion severity or the ignition sensitivity with solvent being present at that hypothesized concentration. Now, if you can't do that or you don't want to do that, you can you know, use NFPA 68, and they then recommend a certain ratio. They, they would say, you know, go and look at a Pmax of 10 bar and a KST of 500 as a placeholder if you're not going to get this measured yourself. And that could be overly conservative for certain systems that your, your, your material might never, your, your dust might actually normally be like an ST1, a low ST1, like a 100 or an 80 bar meter per second. And maybe your overpressure is, you know, six bar overpressure. And then having a hybrid mixture of methanol present might in a real world scenario, never approach a 10 bar overpressure or KST of 500 but if you're going to use those placeholder values as um, NFPA 68 recommends, you might be over-engineering your system. Yeah, I think what I hear you saying is that it takes some degree of experience to be able to judge what the, the correct path here is. I think just assuming that you're not going to have gas in if if you know it's you know, if you know it's possible and you know it happens, if certainly if it happens once a week, <laughs> then you shouldn't you shouldn't just assume that's the dust and use the lower parameters maybe you can bound that on how frequent you have uh, potential hybrid mixtures and and how much gas is there and do some testing to determine you know what the the uh you know the safe requirements are there or like you're saying you use the parameters outline line nfpa 68 without doing the testing but that might be over conservative so you sort of have to make that judgment and then also consider the case where you you know you have an overweight gas explosion. Is that possible? And if it is possible, how likely is it? And maybe that then is a case of you you need some extra assurance. Maybe it needs to be in a room that doesn't have people in it, or you know maybe the the piece of equipment can go outside, or you have some sort of secondary um, safety process there. Right, and, or you can have some sort of active mitigation. Maybe you have you know, it's an it's an it might be inside, but it's an unmanned or, or you know robotically or automatically controlled apparatus for the addition or remotely controlled and you actually have uh, explosion protection equipment put onto let's say if you're introducing a powder into a vat of solvent maybe you don't dump it through an open open manway but you actually have a, a powder introduction of piece of equipment that could then be remotely operated or, or or operated at a distance and then you actually have explosion protection equipment on that vat 
to make sure it might it could be vented to the outside. If you have you know NFPA 68 declaration venting, or if you're going to use a suppression system, whether it's a, a gas nitrogen suppression system or a, a dry powder suppression system, you can have one of those installed that that actuate uh, under a deflagration scenario. I think I've seen that case where you are dumping powders into. I can't remember exactly how it went now, but I think it was something along the lines of dumping powders, and you had a, a, a not you, the proverbial you, right? right, <laughs> right. Not not a joke, but somebody's dumping powders, and they had the right. I want to say right bags and, you know, right uh, anti-static, whatever is mats or whatever they were using. But then they had a hybrid mixture that had built up in one of these cases and, and were able to ignite it from some sort of maybe electrostatic discharge. But that would be like a very specific example of how this could manifest itself. So there was a safety system in place that only considered the dust, but then they did have a hybrid mixture and the ignition energies were high enough to ignite that and then ignite the you know gas explosion followed by igniting a dust explosion just to give like a really specific example of how this could happen i think i know cases that right right so let's say if you have a a type a super sack you're down you're you're dumping material and type a super sack means that your dust has an mie greater than 1000 millijoules but you just are you normally don't have a solvent tank, but you happen to wash your tank with solvent every now and then. You have that residual solvent left over inside of the tank, and now you're dumping from this from this um, super sack with this material. The material inherently has MIE greater than a thousand millijoule, but now that the solvent is there, present after the washing, that MIE level could be 300, 100 millijoules now, and you could end up with a discharge that could ignite that hybrid mixture where normally you couldn't ignite the dust alone. Yeah, I think that's a good place to sort of leave this discussion off on just on having an example there. Um, is there any other terms of this topic for hybrid mixtures, decomposition, off-gassing, how to include them in, in your dust hazard analysis? Is there anything else that you want to leave the the audience off closing up this episode today? I, I think it, it's very important for you to assemble the right team to uncover these normal operations plus the, the one-offs the upset scenarios uh, that that could occur. And then you, you look up the data. And a lot of times you won't actually have actual test data. And if you don't get the actual test data, you may have to over-engineer the protection system in order to account for protecting a hybrid system. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a great point to leave off on. So I want to say thank you again, Ashok, for coming on. I lost count. I think this is time number six. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll have you back on the, the podcast again for, for future episodes as well. I, I want to be there for number 60 too. <laughs> That's right. So we'll start our own, we'll start a secondary show, Chris and Chris and Ashok talk, uh, talk combustible dust or something. <laughs> Chris and Ashok take it on the road or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, I appreciate it very much and stay safe down there in, in Chicago and Illinois. And I look forward to talking again soon. Absolutely. Take care. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney, and Dr. Ashok Dasadar, and we've been talking about how to incorporate decomposition, off-gassing, and hybrid mixtures into your dust hazard analysis. As I mentioned, this was a topic that came up inside the Dust Safety Academy. Someone had a question on it and really ballooned into exploring this topic in more detail. How do hybrid mixtures occur? What are the different ways? How maybe this should be included in your hazard assessment and maybe what some of the outcomes are? In this episode, we talked about what parameters are affected by the presence of a, a flammable gas mixed with your combustible dust. Uh, the big ones include minimum ignition energy, minimum explosive concentration, the LOC, lower oxygen concentration. 
but other parameters like the severity of the explosion can also be affected as well. We talked about the many ways that gases could be introduced in solid handling systems. They may be introduced as part of the process. Uh, they may be, you know, solvents that are stuck on the outside of the, the dust and the particles that get driven off when it's heated up. Um, or they may come just from the dust itself. This could be through decomposition, could be through off-gassing, evaporation, or even partial combustion, depending on what your system is. And there's really a, a broad range of applications where you have these hybrid mixtures. Uh, I think we really started to scratch the surface of this topic in this episode. Maybe we can do some future ones on, on even some more specific use cases. But just looking at how this can happen, we went and talked, well, what are some of the ways this could be incorporated in the dust hazard analysis? So up front, you can do some testing to see what the potential is. Can your material, is your material susceptible to decomposition, to evaporation, to devolatilization, and does have the chance to have this hybrid condition? And we gave some ideas around, if that is the case, what should some of the design considerations be? What should some of the recommendations be? And this is, again, a broad field. It's going to depend on your specific application. And you're really going to need someone knowledgeable in to discuss and talk about that. And then Ashok made some really good points closing out the episode of other ways to tie this into dust hazard analysis and also some other aspects in, in regards to combustible dust safety. So we found this interview interesting. Um, if you want to connect with our guest, we'll have Ashok's contact information in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 95. If you're interested in the Dust Safety Academy, you can go to dustsafetyacademy.com. Uh, join the conversation there, attend some of the education, the live training sessions we do. And other than that, I just want to say I appreciate you listening. Um, have a safe and productive week ahead. And I appreciate and thank you for everything you're doing in industries handling combustible dust, making them safer every day around the world. Mm-hmm.